I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. I had some technical okay. difficulties. Oh, okay, I heard just I just heard you. I wasn't hearing you for a second there. Can you hear me okay now? Oh, just bear with me a sec, just in case I no drop problem. the audio. Okay. Can you hear me okay? I hear you, but I no longer see you. Okay, now I see you. Sorry. This is the typical dialogue of uh, conversations nowadays. First couple of minutes is, uh, <laughs> can you hear me? Can I you know. see me? The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. <laughs> Uh, well, and I'm sorry, I was at a rally, an anti-Asian hate uh, rally, and so I'm in a makeshift studio, so to speak, so my apologies if it's not ideal. Pretty messed up what's happening out there and stuff with the uh, Asian hate crimes and stuff. My wife is Chinese, and if, if it ever happens in my presence, the perpetrator will have a problem. That's all I can say. I have uh, construction going on outside. We live in a perpetual construction site, which to me translates to maybe somebody's cousin owns a facade company and, uh, you know. That's usually uh, what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know all about that, right? Given your background as a urban planner. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the scaffolding laws uh, have a really good precept, like that they were about safety. But now, um, you know, any good policy can end up being a really bad one when it's not well managed or checked or reviewed over time. And now you have more people injured by falling pieces of scaffolding than you do by falling buildings, right? Oh, oh. So it's, um, you know, every, every, I think every policy, even good ones, end up being problematic if we don't hold power accountable, which is kind of the point of everything, right? Thank you for coming. It's been a little crazy. It's been a little crazy, but thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm Lindsay Boylan. I'm, I'm running for Manhattan Grove President, and I'm, I, I've been in the field of urban planning my whole career, which is what this job is about. It's all about the decisions we make in the built environment to improve the lives of our people. And there's no more important time to think very carefully about all the decisions we make in the built environment to improve the lives of New Yorkers and specifically Manhattanites. And I don't have to tell you before this crisis, we had... Um, huge issues of inequality. And uh, that's only been exacerbated by this pandemic and all of the connected failures of our leaders. And that's when I knew I had to run for this job because this job of borough president is all about uh, you know, urban planning itself. Um, I, I'm a viable woman candidate. I'm also the progressive in the race. And I think both of those things matter in a year where you know millions of women left the workforce and um, our government and our Democrats specifically even are not doing enough to help people. And so I'm excited to do this job. I'm a mom, I'm a seven-year-old who just had her seventh birthday and um, helping to make this city as livable as possible in this borough specifically means everything to me. So I'm excited to do it. And, um, you know, people know me, I think more recently for speaking truth to power, which I won't get into too much, um, but, you know, I think it, it, if I could say anything of what that means to voters, it, it means that even when it's tough, I'm going to do the right thing. And I think that you need someone who's going to act that way. It's very important in politics and not always the case, right? No, you know. Not mostly the case, unfortunately, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've spoken to people running for council, Senate, Congress, 
state assembly, all kinds of, I never spoke to somebody running for borough president. Yes. <laughs> you're you're well, my first you know, borough president candidate. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, well, it's, you know, it's one of those jobs that people are like, what does it do? What is a borough well, president? That's, that's where I'm going to, by the way. Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to ask. What exactly does a borough president do? I thought it was just like, you know, the, the Queen of England. You just kind of, you know, like, you know, I... Like, that's what it is. They can, I would take a pass on that one. That is not a job I would want. Um, what I would say, it's a very good question. I think it's the most important one because people say, listen, Lindsay, why do you want to do this job? It is a figurehead. And yes, I think that over decades, it's it's the powers of the borough president were stripped away because people didn't like someone who's not the mayor, someone who's not the governor having powers to have a huge say in the city. But Let's talk about what it actually does. It is the job most concerned with decisions around land use, zoning, and community boards. This person, borough president, has the most senior say, aside from mayor and governor, in what gets built and how in this borough. And I think that's really important, especially in a time like this, because one of the biggest problems we have in this borough is extreme inequality. And we cannot just rely on city council members to make choices for everyone that reflect the needs of everyone. And I view this as a job all about that. How do we use all the tools we have, including the $100 million or so of capital money the borough president has to help our community and our borough recover? How do we use all of those resources to help people? How do we, how do we use the resource of the community board appointments process? How do we use the resource, oh my God, I love Carveridians. How do we use the resource of the education councils? How do we use the resource of the solid waste council? Um, to, to really make decisions that improve everyone's lives. And, you know, my experience of power, um, having worked as the Secretary for Economic Development for the state of New York, is that there's, you know, um, specific finite delineated power. You know, you have the right to appoint community board people. You have the right to spend $100 million uh, on capital projects that help the borough. Those are all rights that I'll have. But it's a lot of it's about soft power. How do you bring people together uh, across agencies to make better outcomes for people? You know, and for example, in Lower Manhattan, where I just was at a rally, I think our community has really suffered, particularly on the Lower East Side, um, parts of Chinatown, um, from not having leaders who said, "How do we bring NYCHA together? How do we bring DOT together? How do we bring Department of Buildings together? How do we bring all of these different agencies so that people don't have to fight their own battles alone?" our communities and our residents should have someone whose job it is to fight their battles with them and, and navigate that process, uh, regardless of what agency we have to hold accountable, regardless of what elected we have to hold accountable, regardless of whether or not you're taking a fight with a city council member on. I'm gonna do all those things. And I think that's a tremendous piece of the soft power aspect to this that you get when you have someone who knows how to navigate these situations, who knows how to push for, um, better outcomes and who's going to use their platform for people. And so there's all these finite things, you know, most significant re review and land use and zoning, which will matter in this post-pandemic world. The appointments to community boards, community education councils, and in essence, the city's school board. But um, a lot of it has to do with connecting the dots with agencies, um, using the soapbox to advocate for what our community needs. And I think what our community needs is greater climate justice meaning that we built a city basically for the benefit of white people. And every decision thereafter in urban planning has largely reflected that. How do we um, resource and respond to the climate crisis in a way that advantages and benefits 
um, low-income communities, communities of color, um, communities uh, more broadly dispersed, uh, our disability community. How do we center the people who have been closest to the pain and resourcing? Mm. And that is what, that's what's, that's why I went into urban planning. That's what's so exciting about all of it to me. And I really love Pomeranians. I had one growing up named Hashmark. <laughs> my dad uh, served in Desert Storm and um, he was away my kindergarten year at uh, Marine. And he brought back a, a Pomeranian that had just been like left on the base and wow. uh, had it. And it was named Hashmark, like the Hashmarks for Marines and, and service members. So I had a, a, a I had a, a, my first pet was a dog named Hashmark. <laughs> Uh, it came from from the Middle East, yeah, like or, no, or... Case, he, was, he was stationed for a good period of the time in Japan. So this is actually oh. in Japan. Came from Japan. She came from South Korea. <laughs> She's a rescue right. from South Korea. She's really cute. Oh, She's thank palm, you. Right? I assume. I mean, yeah. like unless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a palm. <laughs> I had to go grab her because she was starting to to bark like she wants attention. So it's like okay, okay. Wow. So it it sounds like you have a a pretty good vision and, and plan in terms of what you want to do. When you show up and you say, okay, I know who runs NYCHA in New York City. Don't you think you're going to make a resiliency plan for group houses that doesn't involve DOT, that doesn't involve the community? Like all of these decisions, particularly around investment, that are going to affect a lot of people for a long period of time, should not be made in isolation. You've got a bunch of and it's still mostly dudes bumping each other in the head and just moving on in decisions of power and in offices of power. And I think we need someone who knows how to work with all and who has. I mean, I, I oversaw the Office of Storm Recovery, so that's continuing to administer post-Sandy funds for the state. I oversaw the state's recovery, and maybe I'm most part of this. I oversaw the state's uh, recovery work in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. So bringing together all the different agency heads, bringing together all the resources to help Puerto Ricans recover. Um, we should apply the same things right here in Manhattan. Don't assume that it's not your job just because it's not in your title to bring people together and to uh, marshal resources to actually help people. Right. And especially if you know the people and you have the connections and yeah. I mean, it would be almost criminal to not utilize them to, you know, help people and stuff, yes. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And well, do you see yourself, well, I guess it's one step at a time, but do you have, I don't know, I'm trying to use the correct word, but do you have the ambition to go further from there? Is that your objective or are you still kind of like, mm, you know? I think, it, I think the younger version of me, like in high school, who fell in love with government, who cut class to go to congressional hearings, super nerd, um, would have said like, <laughs> oh, I want to go all the way. You know, you, you probably observe and, and, and people who watch or listen to this will observe that I'm in the middle of kind of a big thing going on with respect to government and women in government. And I think um, variably changed me. I'm still myself, but I want to I wanna do this job and then see, and I want to do it to the best of my abilities and then see if I want to stay doing this, this field because um, everything that I do we're, we're on this earth for such a limited period of time. I want it to reinforce what I feel is really important, which is um, responding to people's pain and centering that pain in resource decision and allocation. And so if I do this job the best I could, which I will, um, who knows if, if, if I'll be welcome 
you know, by other politicians, I got to do this job. Like this is my last job. So, um, right. especially that, now, given given being in in the center of the spotlight, um, as I find myself oddly at this moment, um, I'm just focused on that. Yeah, I mean, what technically doing the job the right way could actually make the politicians not like you. <laughs> you know, that's true. Right? That's true. I mean, look, look where I'm right now. Look where I'm right now. There's yeah. one or two politicians who really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read Carl Hyacin? No. Do I need to? You, I, I would. I think you might enjoy it. He's uh, primarily focused on the corruption of politicians and all the players in so Florida. So I need to read this. So I need to read this. Yeah. I'll check it out. You might enjoy it. It might, you know, it'll give you a giggle. That's the theme, you know, the developers, the governors, the politicians, they don't care about people. Yeah, that great film, Chinatown, um, around Los Angeles at the same time in some respects. 20th century. Not 20th century, it's like mid-century. But yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, very, very enjoyable. I'm I'm a big fan of his work. I, I really like. I really. I actually. It's. It's the first book I've reread in a long time. You that, know, I've never actually read a book twice, which um, that's saying a lot that you did that. So I, I will. I will read this. I just. I want to experience that one again. And the same thing. I was reading it and burst out laughing. Okay, I could use that. I could use that now. So I will. I will read it. When I I connected you on social media, I I for some reason. I had the impression that you were like, like more of a journalist, you know, like, like that was your thing. And I started checking out your profile and that's when I realized you're running for a uh, borough yeah. president, you know, chat yeah. about that, you know, cause it's just. Well, I think, you know, I, um, I, uh, you know, someone who's, who's in politics, but um, not, I guess, like carving their way through like the establishment, so to speak. I use Twitter cause it's like a way to, really talk to people and get a message across so I'm not that surprised that you might have thought I was like in journalism because I'm saying things on there all the time yeah (laughs) I think so I was just at a rally and um I was surrounded by people running for Manhattan DA city council and none of them are people who are part of the establishment none of them are the candidates that are safe and Two-thirds of our city council is going to turn over. We're going to have a new mayor. We'll have a new governor, governor soon enough. Things could really change. And I think it's a really exciting time. As difficult as it is, I'm not trying to understate that. This has been the hardest time for so many people in their lives. And you know, that's how I feel it myself. Um, things could change. And they need to change. Because it just isn't working for too many people, right? Mm. It is bizarre. It's you know, um, it's, it's crazy to me because several months ago, everybody was singing Cuomo's praises and everybody was, oh, I want to marry him. I want him to be president. And everybody's going nuts. And I was kind of indifferent, right? Like, I didn't really care. I was like, yeah, I don't, I, whatever. I don't really care. I don't, I don't dislike the guy. I don't like the guy. Um, the fact that he's a Cuomo and there was another Cuomo who was governor, to me, it just reeks of 
privilege and all that stuff, you know? To your point, so, um, and I have my various levels of privilege. I'm a white woman, so I've got right there, I lucked out in some respects in terms of privilege, right? Um, not in terms of it being better, just like I come with my own set of privileges as a white woman, but- Well, you're not gonna um, get stopped by cops. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you don't exactly, have to worry about certain exactly. things, you know? No, even, even, I mean, listen, my husband's Korean American and we can be meeting someone together for the first time and they'll say, oh, where are you from? And they're not looking at me when they say that. And that is racist, Um, especially since he's the one who's from Westchester and I'm from California. So I'm, I'm the one who's not from here. But anyways, um, I struggle a lot with how many more opportunities my daughter is going to have than I had. And, and, you know, you bring up like multi-generational power, privilege and all that. And, and to me, the, the be- one of the best things I've been able to, one of the best gifts I was given, even in the way I was raised, was with a tremendous amount of resilience and grit. And I hope, I every day try to show my daughter what I'm doing um, with my actions and 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 at the same time kind of follow what her passions are and and find a way to not ever have to have her feel like she needs to be in the field I'm in and also not ever have her feel that the world is like the level of privilege she's been given which is much more than myself even or my husband so I struggle with that and I hope she doesn't go into politics because I want I want her to craft her own her own sense of what matters right right. well if she does it would probably be her own decision it doesn't sound like you're pressuring her you know no no no. no. if if, if my current experience is anything i don't want her to have so much hardship and 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 difficulty you never want that for your kids (laughs) look at the numbers i mean let's not even talk about me here um look at the way that women mostly women not only, but a lot of women are attacked when they do come forward. Look at the way that they're victim blamed. Of course they don't come forward. You know, I, I have all this level of privilege in terms of my ability to fight for myself and, and use my voice and advocate for myself. And I'm telling you, it's been the struggle of my life. Of course people don't come forward, you know, and um, abuse of power is there's the abuse and then there's the power. And you're very frequently up against a, a David and Goliath kind of fight. And so, of course, people don't come forward. Of course they don't. And um, it just needs to change. Uh, at some level, I, run, I, I do my own Twitter. I, I do have someone who helps um, highlight issues and things. Stephanie, she's amazing. But um, I'm there on Twitter. I see it. So people can interact with me that way. Lindsay Boylan. Uh, Lindsay with an E. Boylan. B-O-Y-L-A-N. And I'm on Instagram, Lindsay Boylan NY, and I need the help to get elected. The primary is on June 22nd, and it's really important that I get elected because I'm the only urban player in the race. I'm very much focused on issues of restorative justice, climate justice, uh, housing inequality, things that would really markedly change for whom our city works, and that needs to happen, particularly after this crisis. So let's do this again, Angel, and and um, and I want to keep talking, and I need to get elected, so I need everyone's help. I hope I I meet you in person soon and I can meet your palm. I love your little Pomeranian. Well, let's do this again soon, okay? Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Good luck to you, okay? I'll talk to you. you. All right, take care. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. 
www.nyctalking.com. Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R. Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.